startuprad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Joe from StartupRate.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Today, I have guests again here with me, the brothers who founded one of the first medical cannabis startups here in Germany called Kansativa. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. I was taking a look into, so to say, my archives, and our first interview was published in April 2020. So we'll soon get to what has happened since. But first, I would like to thank our enablers. This interview was made possible by Invest in Hessen and StartupRaven.com. If you'd like to learn more about them, you can go down here in the show notes and have a look. Guys, um, I still remember you guys are brothers and I still remember a lot of very funny stories from our first interview. For example, there was a spider crawling over a sensor that almost locked down half of the city of Frankfurt. And uh, uh, I remember that uh, one of you had to excuse themselves in a very reputable law firm to go home and receive um a, a big delivery of cannabis. <laughs> that is uh, stuff that I remember. But can you tell our audience who maybe never heard or seen you who you are and what you what you did before and what you're doing now in the company? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And especially the spider story, that's really amazing. Um, from my background, um, I'm a Benedict. I studied industrial engineering and management, worked for several years in strategy consulting and founded Kansativa in 2017 together with my brother, Jacob. I'm responsible for all commercial matters within uh, the company. Yeah, um, thank you very much for 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 having us. And uh, yeah, I'm very happy to to give like a, a very short overview of of my background. So I have a background in law, um, studied law, and I actually was the guy that um, took his his, his lunch breaks uh, to yeah get get some cannabis delivered. Um, feels uh, very far away now that I actually worked uh, at a law firm. Um, today at Kansativa, um, I'm, I'm still a bit into the, the legal and regulatory stuff. So my responsibility um, um, in, in the management is uh, being reported by our head of legal, head of regulatory affairs, uh, head of quality, so everything which is relating um, to operations and um, the compliance and uh, regular, regulatory uh, dimension of the business. And uh, yeah, so... Uh, very nice uh, stories and, and uh, topics that uh, you were relating to. I think there's a, a lot of uh, new uh, and good stuff that, that we can talk about. My personal experience living here in and around Frankfurt for quite some time now, I can at least say that from my personal experience, there was no false alarm locking down half of Frankfurt from you guys. Uh, would, would you agree to that? <laughs> Yes, definitely. So uh, we moved um, our facility to uh, Mefeldenwaldorf, which is a small city near the Frankfurt airport, um, and it is in a more industrial area. We have some false uh, alarms um, 
yeah from time to time especially when we have um, some some works done at the at the systems for example um, we have now a significantly uh, bigger safe room a, a strong room and once uh, yeah you finish all those construction works. They have to um, put all the, the new parameters into the systems and uh, you get false alarms um, every second week. But it is um, something that uh, you can you can work along with the police um, and uh, it's, it's not that unique and not that new anymore so that they uh, actually shut down uh, the streets and um, send the, the, the SWAT team. So yeah, it's a bit day-to-day um, -day business today. I see. When you've been talking about the strong room, what I had in mind was something like a big vault that is in the basement of a bank or something close to that? Um, yes. So uh, uh, something very close to that. Um, it's not in the basement because this would be um, quite uh, annoying for our logistics team. Uh, it is um, on a um, ground level, um, but basically the, the, the same that you can expect. So um, very strong walls uh, made uh, of steel and, and concrete, um, uh, camera surveillance uh, everywhere. Um, and it, uh, actually what um, what is required um, if you handle narcotics and and still uh, even if we are talking about legalization cannabis today um, at least uh, those products that, that we handle are regulated as narcotics and uh, yes that's why uh, we put them into a huge vault that also brings us to our next topic because you said they are regulated like narcotics you can get them on prescription from a doctor for certain indications um not going to go into that. That's the area of the doctors. Um, but basically we're here today because you've been talking about the medical cannabis market and we'll soon talk about your experiences there. But basically there is a new coalition in Germany under Olaf Scholz and within their contract. So there are three parties getting together to form um, a government here in Germany and in the contract where they got together, they put in legalization of cannabis for recreational use. So that's the main point we will be talking about here. But can you share a little bit your experience, uh, in a short wrap up? How was it that cannabis became legal for medical use here in Germany? Yeah, absolutely. So the market kind of grew really rapidly and very significantly. In 2017, we had round about a medical cannabis flowers market of 1.7 metric tons. This um, grew to close to 10 metric tons in 2020. And for the last year, 2021, um, we are talking already about like 12.5 up to 15 metric tons. This is huge for this year. We expect uh, even more, probably 15 or even up to 20 metric tons. This is a significant addressable market, but compared to the recreational market, which is, depending on different estimations, even 400 or 800 metric tons big, it's rather small. I was just trying to um, find uh, where um, what that may be in US values, because they're still uh, using very very strange values here, but I could not find it right now. Um, but uh, 12 metric tons, that's quite a lot. How big is your market share in that? So we have a significant market share. This is due to our 
a very special and exclusive role as the leading um, partner and the exclusive partner of the so-called BFARM. Uh, so to say, we are the exclusive partner of the cannabis agency um, and we are therefore the exclusive distributor of cannabis from domestic cultivation. And cannabis from domestic cultivation itself is 2.6 metric tons on an annual base, which is a significant portion of like a total market. And we have this exclusivity for the next four years, um, yeah, summing up to 10.4 tons, uh, metric tons uh, over this uh, four years. And obviously, in addition to our domestic Uh, cannabis that we are uh, bringing into the pharmacies on a daily base. Uh, we are also having the biggest and the leading um, product portfolio um, of imported medical cannabis flowers. Here we're talking about 30 suppliers, 15 different uh, country origins, which is significant. And therefore, we would consider ourselves always as the leading cannabis platform in Germany. I see. And for everybody from the US, one metric ton is 2,205 pounds. <laughs> I found it eventually. Um, and you guys have been with that approach pretty successful. I've been looking up and you guys raised something a little bit above 20 million US dollars in VC money. You even made it into mainstream media because one of your investors, the lead investors in your Series B funding was Casa Verde. For everybody who doesn't know that, that's the investment vehicle of Snoop Dogg. But I do believe he also believes in you and in what is coming. Um, talking a little bit about the future here. Um, as we said, there is a contract, there is a will to make a law. The even, even, even the draft of law is not here yet. So you're way ahead of the curve with that. And, um, there is an expectation I read in the media that the first bill for a discussion should be available to lawmakers towards the end of 2022. So that means even the most ambitious goal would be that the law comes into force sometime around summer 2023. And as we discussed, there is a lot of uh, regulatory add-ons to that, to a law here in Germany. So you could be looking at sometime fall or winter 2023 with that. Would that be approximately your experience, how this develops, Jacob? Yeah, um, I think you are, you are very right in this uh, assumption. And I think... Um, I mean, there, there are always um, some some influences that uh, we cannot um, fully assess. Um, you, you know, what happens with uh, Corona over um, um, autumn? What what happens with the Ukraine crisis? But um, the the timeline that you just outlined is exactly um, what we can expect um, if the lawmakers. Uh, put their, their, their enough focus on this um, uh, important law. And um, what uh, we expect is that 
by um, even September or October, they, they have the initial first uh, draft bill and then this will be passed on to the government once the government is aligned. And I think um, the chances are here that uh, this will be quite fast because um, all of the three parties um, that, that are constituting the, the government um, are in favor um, of the legalization and there's um, not not much to discuss for them. Um, we, we see that it is very likely that we can get um, a, a, bar, a bill um, to be passed on to the parliament and our federal council, which is the, the, the Bundesrat, in which the, the um, 16 different states um, have to vote on the on the law as well will be quite fast and uh, yeah if if we manage um, to get the law passed by um, summer next uh, year uh, it is very likely um, that we have the frameworks installed to be ready for sale um, later or late uh, next year or early um, 2024. However, what will be the challenge, and uh, this is where we are coming in, is bringing in the product, creating the infrastructure for the retail stores, and um, yeah, making this more theoretical um, approach of having a law um, to be uh, yeah transformed into a working business. And I think this will be uh, the challenge, and everyone is is, is very very much all set um, to start uh, working on on the supply chains, on the infrastructure once we have. Um, a bit more clarity on, on, on how the lawmaker intends uh, to make the system work. That will be actually my question because I was I would now be going into talking about how you guys are envisioning how the future could look like. For example, you can only buy cannabis in dedicated stores, maybe in tobacco stores, maybe only in pharmacies and so on and so forth. Uh, but sorry, sometimes I'm thinking pretty strange. Uh, what do you guys tell your family you're actually doing? Well, I import cannabis is something you don't usually write on your LinkedIn profile or on your Tinder profile, right? So the, the good thing about like our family is that they are already used to um, that we are selling cannabis for years already. And sometimes it's pretty funny if you like think about it, that we are probably one of the biggest cannabis dealers in Germany. However, our family is like really supportive of all that, but uh, mainly because we look at this also as a very professional business and we also look at this as a unique chance in history and a unique opportunity to uh, legalize a product and also to just give access to so many people to a product that at the moment they only can access to and consume in a illegal illicit uh, framework and here we believe in um, yeah, doing the right thing um, at the right point in time, as we did five years ago with our focus on medical cannabis uh, patients, helping them to get access to a uh, medication, to a therapy that really helps them. And now it's about like helping also consumers to get high quality um, products uh, in a well thought through legal uh, framework of legal cannabis. We do have one country um, that was pretty popular in Europe, especially for travels, because it's the Netherlands, um, the Dutch. They had um, a legalization of even recreational cannabis way ahead of Germany. And then there 
used to be special cafes where you could consume that. And my understanding is that at one point they turned into membership clubs where they have to know you. You have to be a member in order to be there and consume cannabis. Um, what are you guys seeing or what is your expectation? What will happen here in Germany? Will we start with a very tight regulation and then find the first ex uh, get the first experiences and then maybe later on broaden this or do you expect uh something like really um really easy low touch regulation and uh they'll see where they basically need to draw the lines so in in, in our understanding um uh, politics want to have a a broad legalization so end to end Uh, and compared to the Netherlands, they don't want to keep it um, or reduce it to um, uh, decriminalization. So if, if you if you have a look at the Netherlands, um, it is allowed to buy the product at a coffee shop. It is allowed to consume, um, but the um, supply chain that produces and delivers the products into the uh, coffee shops, this is not regulated. Um, and our lawmaker uh, clearly intends to have a full-fledged legalization and decriminalization um, of, of cannabis so that we have a stigma-free and safe and simple supply chain. However, this still will be highly regulated um, because It is um, a, a substance um, that, that has not not only positive effects. It is the same for um, for other um, substances such as nicotine, caffeine, um, alcohol that people take. Uh, it can be uh, something that, that 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 you consume and um, are totally safe, but there's a de degree of consume or consumption. Um, that is not good for for the health and that's why um, the lawmaker still wants to um, pose a regulation around it but um, what what we expect and um, this is clearly addressed by by politics is that we have uh, dispensaries so that there will be a a, a special store that you can um, buy cannabis in uh, get um, uh, customer support um, get um, some information on safer use, on first-time use, so that um, we will create a system uh, in which uh, people, even if they are first-time consumers, um, can have an experience that uh, leads them into a safe uh, and good um, um, consummation uh, of the product. Uh, and I think this is, this is unique about uh, how um, Germany looks at it, um, to create a, a simple and self um, regulated system that um, yeah only uses regulation to the extent necessary uh, and is not over-regulating uh, the supply chain to really um, yeah have a, a competitive advantage towards the black market because it is still one of the main targets um, to um, yeah be uh, to, to, to fight the black market uh, that is very strong here in Germany associated with a lot of crime and all of this stuff um they, they they not only fight crime they also fight money laundry that way i found very interesting um benedict you are more the numbers guy what do you expect in terms of market size when you're looking into that future and by the way uh jacob you really really made me smile because when you said yeah consumer support i was i was wondering hmm, will there be a, a hotline for stoners <laughs> sorry non-professional totally fine <laughs> check your own thoughts 
Actually, I mean, creative idea, why not? But that's definitely something we need to look at this once we have like a outlined regulatory framework. But when it comes to the numbers and figures, there are many and different estimations on the illegal market. So um, you can look at studies from like very uh, well-known universities. They would come up with a uh, market estimation of 400 metric tons to give you a bit of a taste what this could be in euros um, at a price of 10 euros per gram. We're talking about a 4 billion euros market, which is around about 4.5 billion US dollars. Um, other studies and other estimations, they actually show that the market is even as big as 800 metric tons. So we're talking about 8 billion euros. This is huge, um, but with a population of 80 million people in Germany, it's not that huge. Because if you look into the Canadian market, uh, significantly less people live there. And the market over there, around about four years after legalization of adult use, so recreational cannabis, is also around 4 billion Canadian dollars big. So this is a massive opportunity just for the German market itself. But what we also is expect is that the German market, that's just the start and the beginning for the whole European market, for the EU. And we really expect that there will be a certain domino effect uh, happen. And then we're talking about another multiple of this addressable market, probably even up and north of 60 or maybe 70 billion uh, euros in the long run annually. That is pretty cool. And for everybody who listened to the medical cannabis area, that would be 40 to 80 times what we are having right now in terms of legal medical market. Um, honestly, uh, you talked about uh, you can import legally cannabis for medical use i assume there will be legal import for um recreational use as well um which countries are actually going to grow that and do you expect when germany when it really pops when it goes like crazy that there will be problems in the supply chain yeah so first of all i i may kick it off so key supplying countries as of now for the medical market are Canada, Denmark, Portugal, Spain, even Uruguay, Netherlands play a role. So those countries, they have a certain, let's say, experience in um, having cultivation and manufacturing sites for pharmaceutical-grade cannabis. Many of those companies already have a recreational strategy in place. So obviously, those are also countries where you have quite a huge industry and economy that is willing to export product into the German market. And we believe this experience, this expertise is definitely something that those companies can leverage and can use in a future recreational framework where we as a yeah, German importing company can be a very, very strong partner to bring high quality products into a also legal market. However, there are definitely some regulatory hurdles that need to be tackled. It's not an easy game to trade cannabis around the globe in a legal system um, because normally also those countries that wish to export 
recreational cannabis, they need to more or less also adapt certain regulations that this is allowed. And on our side, Germany also needs to allow that cannabis imports uh, are possible. So there's still a lot of work to be done uh, on different uh, levels. However, we are yeah, believing that it must be a global economy, a global supply chain, because growing in a um, country where we do not have so much sun, where we have high labor costs, where we have high electricity costs, Growing cannabis in a country like Germany is probably not the solution to um, yeah, supply 800 metric tons on an annual basis. This is probably something that's not possible. And we believe a key success factor are global uh, trades. Maybe this is even a European huge uh, um, possibility, opportunity to create additional uh, industry, additional, um, yeah, um, possibilities for people to, to work and so on. Benedict, you also made me smile when you said there are big hurdles to legal import of cannabis to Germany. I think the illegal importers also have some trouble. <laughs> um, that is now understood. So you, you guys also can import a lot, of course, only legal. And the, the, the question is now for me, how you guys are positioning yourself. You want to be the importer and distributor in Germany and looking in the future, maybe also into the countries in Europe that legalize recreational use of cannabis? Yeah, so we enable cannabis. That's like our overall goal. We want to make cannabis available for everyone, simple and safe. And we, how do we want to achieve that? We are building the largest cannabis retail platform. And at the same time, We are building the leading B2B marketplace uh, for cannabis. And um, what does this like in particular mean? I would suggest that I hand over here to uh, Jacob to give some more um, details uh, on those two key measures. Yeah, the difficult things are always uh, stuff for lawyers. I see, I see. Um, no, no, this would be like, um, I think, royal pain uh, if, if the lawyers were to explain all those stuff because we're always too complicated. We talk always, always we, we talk too much. So let me try to reduce it to, the, to, to, to what is relevant. Um, so operating a B2B marketplace um, is something that is crucial in a high-friction Uh, transaction-based uh, and regulated sector because you need someone who operates the trust between uh, the vendors and the customers. Uh, and what we're doing today in the medical ecosystem is something that is even more regulated because you have to check all the licenses, have to check uh, GMP and GDP compliance and so on. So we operate a system in which whoever wants to sell and whoever um, is um, part of the pharmaceutical supply chain. And on the other side, a pharmacy can go to our marketplace and they can be safe. They know that we take care of all those complicated uh, things around qualification, validation, and so on. And we will apply this principle to um, 
the uh, recreational cannabis market as well, because uh, we see that we still will be in a regulated uh, industry. Um, it will be very important to be fast uh, in making business. It, it is very important to be fast in moving the product, uh, but it will be very important um, to be compliant as well. And um, as the pharmaceutical industry seems to be quite a closed shop, um, we want to bring in our experience from, from this most regulated industry um, to be uh, an, a real enabler they, that takes care of uh, democratizing uh, the industry um, and providing a solution where it will be easy, it should be easy as opening a, a Shopify um, e-commerce shop um, to engage in this industry because uh, you have a partner and uh, this partner will be us that um, takes care of all um, the regulated and, and complicated uh, things. And um, in a market that will be highly fragmented because we will um, see that there will be many different brands, many different products, many different manufacturers, and even more point of sales, even more uh, retailers, um, it is very important that you have one partner that takes care of operating uh, a marketplace that seamlessly integrates the supply chain between vendors um, and the retailers. First point. Second point um, is uh, the same um, challenges that you have uh, operating a wholesale or import or manufacturing business in a regulated industry is operating a retail store. So imagine that uh, uh, you wanted to open a retail store um, that trades a regulated substance. You would need to apply for the license. You would need to establish quality management systems. Um, for medical cannabis, there will be some prevention work. You will have to draft uh, social concepts. You have um, to take care of where to get the products, documentation, uh, warehousing, logistics, and so on. Um, and uh, we want to create a, a platform, um, a a a system, a modular system um, that will make things very easy for you to focus on what is important for you, getting the product, selling the product, consulting and serving your customers uh, and very much engaging uh, in a new industry, but not doing all those pioneer works on regulation and processes that are important, but that are replicable for many different uh, shop owners. And uh, we want um, to enable um, the retail store being the operating backbone and um, providing turnkey plug and play solutions for everyone uh, who wants uh, to engage in this industry. My understanding is now that you have something like a Shopify shop where you can order from different producers via your platform as a retail store somewhere here in Germany. My my question would be, since it's a highly regulated product on both ends, does it have to go through your central warehouse like a hub and spoke system and go from there into the retail store? Would that be the setup? Um, this this is um, one of the, the key uh, USPs that we offer today for our um, pharmaceutical clients because you would need to operate this infrastructure anyhow. Um, as we expect that uh, cannabis um, as a legalized recreational product hopefully will be less regulated on the part of uh, warehousing and all those stuff because it would be ridiculous if we had to put cannabis into a vault everywhere we have it. Um, 
so this would be um, a bit more flexible so that you um, either can have your own infrastructure that you can choose one of the uh, maybe third-party logistics uh, that you have um, so our system is designed uh, that we can operate in every uh, different approach so own integrated warehouses from the vendors um, fulfillment by Kansativa, which is always the preferred um, solution in, in the medical system because it is more convenient um, for the pharmacies. It will be more convenient for the retailers because they get um, uh, consolidated shipments uh, from just one um, party. Um, and uh, this makes things easier. I think we will be very competitive uh, on uh, what you have to spend for logistics. So that it will make sense to go and have fulfillment done by us. But um, especially in the um, post-legalization world, um, there will be uh, so many products that uh, even if we doubled um, or quadrupled, or even if we had a 10x on our uh, warehousing space, uh, we couldn't make it in the current setup. So we definitely will be open uh, for other uh, third-party logistics partners. I see. And that also sounds like you would be open to talk to new investors to take on that new wave of consumption that you see on the horizon. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, we've raised quite um, some some significant capital over the last few years. Also, recently, we raised another 15 million US dollars. However, as you also described earlier in our talk, we are at this really tipping point also from the Uh, legislation uh, process and we uh, are um, uh, yeah, prepared when it comes to our plans. We are prepared to execute and for all this execution um, there is uh, again the possibility um, that um, yeah, investors uh, can uh, invest into Kansativa and we are always looking for great partners um, for, a, uh, for this massive opportunity in the next few years. That also sounds like you guys are currently hiring. That's also absolutely true. So uh, we actually had quite some growth over the last few uh, months. Uh, as of now, we are over 50 very talented and highly skilled uh, folks uh, in our company. However, there are always uh, some uh, jobs that uh, uh, yeah, we're, we're uh, looking for, again, new uh, and highly talented uh, people to join our uh, company. And uh, yeah, this can be checked on our website, uh, which is Kensativa. Uh, minusgroup.com and there are definitely exciting opportunities for everyone. Um, everybody who is listening to this or watching this on YouTube or any other app, go down here in the show notes. There will be a link to our Medium blog if you cannot find us because you're listening to this on one of our partner radio station. Go to www.medium.com forward slash startup rate minus io and there you will also be able to find the blog post the very last questions um because this interview is sponsored by invest in hessen i would be curious to know why are you currently located here um may we say frankfurt even though moefelden waldorf is a different city but it's It's exactly next to the airport Frankfurt. So for everybody from outside, it doesn't ha make any difference. So maybe very, very important that um, even uh, today, our uh, even bigger office is again in Frankfurt. So we have um, office space uh, in Frankfurt again. Uh, it's where we started. Then we moved to Merfeld. Now we are back in Frankfurt. Uh, we love the city. Um, we love um, 
um, the 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 open-minded culture. Um, we love how um, the, the the city itself um, is focusing on um, enhancing startup culture. Um, they have many different formats where you can can meet up, uh, meet um, other founders, get into connections, communication, and uh, I think that um, it, it is very much uh, becoming a, a ecosystem um, and um, a, a very buzzing spot uh, that that i especially uh, can only motivate people um, to to come to um, build their startup here um, and um, yeah um, connect uh, with a a, a very um, buzzing um, startup hub um, in in the middle of uh, of germany um and my last final question if you would have wishes not only one maybe two or three addressing directly to the decision makers what would it be yeah so maybe first of all having the possibility and opportunity to talk about cannabis frank and free um, on let's say state level cities level and so on that we're just you know Having the opportunity to to talk about that—that's very important, uh, I think. Uh, second item, and this is more like a request on the the federal level or even maybe on the European level, the framework for VC investments in Germany compared, for example, to the US. There are things that should and may be improved, and initiatives to um, yeah accelerate potential improvements here would be probably a very, very good thing um, to uh, actually grow the startup ecosystem, not only in Germany, but also in Europe. There's actually not more I have to add. I would say thank you very much, guys. It was a pleasure talking to you. We're now recording for more than 37 minutes. Thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure having you here and see you again in a few years. See you again. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. That was awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startupred.io. Remember, sharing is caring.